One eight seven seven eight silver online guildhallwealth.com anytime is a website reminder as well if you're investing in a registered account RSP RESP LIF RIF Lira all that stuff for every $5000 US invested Guildhall will give you a gram of gold courtesy of Guildhall so check it out more details and uh, restrictions can be seen at guildhallwealth.com guys the week that was uh, the general update Darren Jeremy how are you guys doing very well, John. Good, man. We're glad to be here. And of course, the first order of business is to welcome all of the new investors with Guild Hall. We're glad to have you aboard in a market in which silver has been up 41% this year and gold up 25 as we're taping the show on Thursday. And of course, in welcoming these new clients to the firm, we are also welcoming into the fold a number of potential clients who have been following along. We're glad to have you aboard. We thank you very much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen to our show, The Real Money Show. This week has been a very good week, John. We saw the prices of both gold and silver rebound early in the week, and they haven't looked back. As we're taping the show on Thursday here, gold is trading in the 1340 to 1350 range, while silver has rebounded nicely back up to the 1980 range, almost $20, and it did advance past 20 briefly on Wednesday morning. So again, very happy, good to see this, but nothing that we didn't expect. We mentioned last week how important it is to understand where we are this year and in terms of the cycle overall, and usually we have weakness in the summers, but this summer, unlike many others, has produced some fantastic moves in both silver and gold. But again, very early in this new cycle, we suspect that by year's end, we'll get a very good picture of where we expect gold and silver to be by spring of next year. And of course, if this year is an indication of what we should expect, perhaps like 2011, as Jeremy sat uh, in this very seat next to me, we were sitting here prior to 2011 in the fall of 2010 discussing this very market welcoming clients on our weekly show while the price of silver was trading in the $18 range we had had a question of the week which was what do you anticipate will be the year-end price of silver we both uh, thought about it at length and we were already in a running market and we came up with the idea that it should be around 23 to 25 an ounce some who hooed and hollered and others uh, definitely agreed with us I think I think uh, Goldman Sachs definitely disagreed with us. Well, at the time. Most of the I banks think they disagreed. Were yeah, absolutely. Silver to be at seventeen dollars or something. That's true. And by year's end, by December thirty first, we had hit actually thirty dollars an ounce. By fall uh, of the next year, we had seen in the spring forty nine dollars an ounce in silver, and then of course a retreat, uh, which is definitely healthy, which is an opportunity to take profits. And the same thing can be said of gold. We reached a peak of 1920 and change in the gold market, uh, having come from around the 850 mark on its last major pullback. And this is, you know, the exciting time that we get to put in front of people. And of course, if you're listening and if you are a listener and you own gold and silver, congratulations. If you are thinking about buying it, now is the time. I think there's a few differences from even 2011, five years later, to 2016. I think one being that the market did very, very well, given that a lot of people still had lots of faith in the in the financial institutions and the ability of the central banks to solve the solve the problems. They were they they figured quantitative easing was going to be a good thing. And what we've had since then is quantitative easing has pretty much failed. 
Um, yes, they've gotten some growth, but it comes on the heels of negative growth down the road, which they're trying to fix with negative rates. And the whole world is falling into negative rate territory, and clearly this isn't lifting up the economy. So, so the difference being that the market ran very well in circumstances where people didn't have the fear factor that they have today, or they didn't even understand the market the way they do today. And looking back even a little bit further to 2008, for example, when the first uh, economic issues uh, came to light and when the stock market fell down, this was still a time when central banks were selling gold and now they're buying gold like crazy. And in fact, now even central banks are repatriating their gold. You're seeing a lot of gold coming out of the New York Fed, in New, obviously in New York. Uh, How's that had, going for know, them? Well, we've seen Germany take their product. We've seen the Netherlands take their product. We've seen Austria take their product. And so we're seeing that the product is just leaving their vaults. And this comes down to trust. And the fact of the matter is, is the U.S. dollar is no longer as good as gold. Well, we also know that the product that was supposed to have sat in those vaults doing nothing except for, uh, you know, collecting dust because it was product that belonged to somebody else, which shouldn't have been switched, touched, or done anything with, is not the same that's going back to Germany. Germany has, and it's well-documented, received a huge portion of their gold, uh, which has been newly minted. So this product, albeit uh, product that's still the same purity, product that's still the same weight and size and coming back to the country is new product, which means the product that was on the shelves was used or sent or given uh, or otherwise hypothecated out of this world to somebody else. And that is interesting in of itself because, of course, if you read between the lines, we don't know what the exact contracted framework would be for storage, but it is simple to say that the U.S. was playing a very dangerous game and some sort of leasing or selling was occurring, well, these countries were, of course, negotiating economic uh, impasses and things of that nature and free trade and all kinds of things, hoping that at the end of the day, if all else failed, at least they have their gold to back them. So this is a very interesting scenario, but one in which we talk about at length when we're discussing storage options at Guildhall Wealth Management. Yeah, I was just going to say, because uh, Germany would have been better off to utilize our depository services, <laughs> For sure. even if they decided to not allocate, meaning get their bar numbers for the for the product that they're depositing, you could deposit product that whether you want to have the, the product numbers recorded or not, take a picture of those products, put, you know, felt tip marker uh, marks on on the product, come back in several years and you'll see that that's exactly the same product that's being held in your account. Because at the end of the day, we don't swap out product. We don't commingle product. It's all segregated and fully uh, fully allocated to the client. So this is, this is the best way to essentially hold it in your hand without literally putting it underneath the, the bed where you'd have insurance issues and risk issues and liquidity issues. one silver online to guildhallwealth.com. And again, we'll remind people, as we did last week, that this particular time of the year is one of the best single parts of the year to actually see uh, a reasonable entry point and, of course, a starting point for the next cycle up. We are now wrapping up one of the strongest summers in memory at Guildhall Wealth Management. We're heading into the strongest time of the seasonal uh, year for both gold and silver, September through February. Normally, the summer months are very quiet, but 2016, as I said earlier, has been an absolute 
absolute exception. The price of gold is up uh, almost 10% since the beginning of June. Silver is up almost 20% since the beginning of June. And if you look around at what we call the big paper investments, the exchange-traded funds, they're touting that inventories are much higher than they were earlier in the year also. This is an indication that larger investors, both institutional as well as private, are looking towards the yellow metal and the silver metal to back their uh, portfolios. And this is common sense investing. This is what we talk about at nausea, ad nausea, at Guildhall. And of course, we love it. It's part of our job. It's part of what we do. But if you are thinking about getting into the market, Jeremy just touched on it, there are several ways to do that with Guildhall. The first is you can walk in, give us a call, let us know you're coming because we like to prepare for you. Come in, sit down, have a cup of joe and pick up some silver or gold. The second is once you've picked that up, you may in fact be accumulating over time. And of course, if you'd like a safe and secure storage option, we can provide that to you and you can instead meet us at the vault and visit your product. And of course, we can do everything the same there for you in terms of buying and selling. You increase your liquidity because of that ability to buy and sell by phone. And you can add any uh, denomination of product uh, starting in with as little as 10 ounces of gold or uh, 500 ounces of silver. And of course, if you're very excited like we are about what the future holds for gold and silver, you may want to put it into one of your registered accounts. You may want to put it into your RRSP or a TFSA, tax-free savings account. You may have a child that's going off to school or preparing for such and has an RESP. I've used that particular vehicle. It's a fantastic way to invest and it's tax-free on the TFSA. So of course, if you make money under the TFSA, you're not paying capital gains. Of course, if in the RESP for your child, you're investing in gold and silver and the price skyrockets in both metals and you're able to make a tidy return, you might be able to take five or 10,000 and turn it into 50 to 100,000. You never know what the markets are gonna do. And wouldn't it be nice when your child starts college, university, the next phase of their life to know that they've got it covered because of one smart decision that you made back in 2016. So get yourself over to the computer, to the phone and give us a call and let us know how we can help you. It's all physical. It's gold, silver, platinum, palladium. It's in coin and bar form. It's impurities, uh, you know, are, are second to none. We use Royal Canadian Mint product and all the best product around the world. And of course, our pricing is right on our website. If you like to shop and have it delivered to you without ever coming into the office, you can do that also. one eight seven seven eight silver online is to guildhallwealth.com. Make sure you grab that precious metal advisor and the investor kit as well. Jeremy? Um, one of the best articles I read this week um, talks about, it's put out by Mark Slavo, and he talks about that two countries in in Europe have just printed a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Their central banks have printed a lot of money, and then they just turned around and did nothing but buy mining stocks. We're going to put that in the Precious Metal Advisor cool. this week, the newsletter, but um, you'll see the list of the all the products that they've purchased. And in the next segment, we're going to talk about just why a central bank would want to go out and print right. a ton of money and then turn around and buy a bunch of gold. In the meantime, we'll take a short break. The number to start investing, very simple. First, go online to guildhallwealth.com or call this number. It is 1-877-8-SILVER. Real Money Show continues. Talk radio, AM 640. 
one eight seven seven eight silver online guildhallwealth.com. Jeremy, before we uh, went into break, you were talking about a couple of countries that uh, printed a couple billion bucks and started buying mining stock right away. Exactly. Right. So um, as we mentioned, Mark Slavo put out an article about Switzerland and Norway purchasing, uh, actually printing lots of money and then turning around and buying a slew of gold and silver mining stocks. And uh, I mean, we're talking 186 million of Newmont, of Newmont mining that would top the Swiss, the Swiss list there. And you have to ask, why are they doing that? Well, number one, it's clearly undervalued. They're clearly following the advice and the smart money of the of billionaire investors around the world who are concerned about the economy and the financial system and that want to protect themselves. They're also looking at at things that are clearly undervalued. So this is a perfect time to say, okay, stock market is doing very, very well, but it is at or near all-time highs. What is offering value that I can make money on? That And if something is down by 50%, that's something that you want to pay attention to. And I think, as my own theory is as well, that Getting the physical gold is not as easy as it used to be. Well, that was my question. Why wouldn't they just buy physical gold? Do we not have enough of it? I think on the one hand, it pro- I, I don't think we have enough of it. Oh. I think you're competing just with, same thing with Guildhall for, for the diamond market. We're competing all over the globe to, mm-hmm. to, get, the, to get these diamonds that we, that we uh, procure and sell. I think that Switzerland and Norway are having the same problem acquiring physical gold. It's not that easy to acquire the gold. I think that this is an immediate way to to get involved in the market. They're getting the leverage as well with the with the mining plays. And I think that over time you'll start to see that they're going to trade off these these uh, stocks for the physical as they can acquire it. I think as well, if you were to try to go out into the market and buy hundreds of millions of dollars of gold, that would also spike the price, which they don't want to do that either. They want to be able to acquire it at the lower price. Very few people understand the logistics of transporting storage, all of the various security aspects involved in holding gold. And of course, that is one reason I might have sat in on a conversation where they're going to attempt to be buying mining stocks and tell them to diversify into the physical as well as the paper. We never ever say, although we don't buy it ourselves, that you can't go out and buy the paper. That's what you're into and that's what you want to do. Go ahead. But recognize that by buying the mining company and the mining stock instead of the coin or the physical bar, you are actually investing in the company itself. You're not investing in gold. You're not investing in silver. You're actually investing in the company and their ability to to manage their company well, to make a return for their investors. So this is a wholly different way to invest. And yes, they do ride on the coattails of a move up in the markets, and sometimes it happens the other way around. But by far and large, over the last 3,000 years, common sense investors that want gold and silver have always stuck to the physical asset. One eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com. It's true. Even even the largest funds or or companies that deal in precious metal mining stocks will say, yes, you have to have a core physical gold and silver holding in in your portfolio and then yes you can get leverage out of the mining stock so there's a lot of room in in those plays and a lot of our clients also have mining stocks but it's important to have that core position in physical precious metals and if you don't have a core position then again you 
you're dealing with a lot of counterparty risk. And while you might also be getting the leverage of the mining stocks, you also get the downside of that when the market comes off. So you don't see as much of that in the physical market that you would in the mining stocks. It's a lot of lot of mining companies. I was reading a list and it's almost endless, right? It is. It's. I, I, I would have a tough time. I mean, I do have a tough time figuring out which one you would want to purchase. Um, you know, we're not advisors, so we can't give advice on that. It's up to the individual. But we do we do feel that it's important to have physical product as part of your portfolio. I wouldn't want to be an advisor in that particular space. The yeah, right. pickings are so difficult. The company's so hard to get to know. Uh, but the truth is there are some big ones out there. And, of course, if you're an investor, it's up to you. Do your due diligence. But, again, this is when it comes down to the topic of common sense investing. Mm-hmm. I wrote an article a long time ago for which I've reworked and going to release uh, at the end of this month called Gold, Silver, and Common Sense Investing. And I wrote this back in 2014, and nothing has changed. I've altered a few bits of the verbiage and the charts have been updated, but ultimately we are investing in this market based on four very simple fundamentals, the US dollar and world currency depreciation and the expectation that currencies will buy less and less and less as inflation takes over. The threat of long-term inflation, that's the second fundamental and the reason why we own gold and silver. The third, which is geopolitical instability, And this is something that we've seen time and time again, especially since the turn of the new millennium. So again, if you're in a region of the world listening to this show where regionally you've been impacted by economic policy change, by rationing, by inflation, by the threat of war, you've seen your country probably flock to some extent to the gold markets in order to hold something of value physically that can offset their damage being caused to their currency. So again, geopolitical instability. And the fourth, probably most important, is supply and demand. When people actually sit down, do their due diligence regarding gold and silver, they will find out very quickly that the metals themselves are everything and anything but they appear to be. And that is no more apparent than in the story of silver itself. Because if you look around the world, and one of the analysts we follow very closely is a gentleman named Ted Butler, talks extensively about the threat of manipulation in the gold and silver paper markets, and of course about physical silver and what it's done and where it's going. And he has said that actually in this day and age, in 2016, there are fewer above ground ounces of silver floating around in the world right now because it gets used up, and that is free ounces that you and I could buy than gold. Yet the price of silver to gold is some 60 plus times different. That is going to change in our lifetime. At some point, there will be an awakening process, and based on nothing other than the fundamentals of economics, will you see silver rearrange itself back to a more historical norm closer to 16 to 1. I sure would like to be on that boat ride when it happens, and our investors are investing because of it. But these are all part of that picture of common sense, and when you sit down and read through this article, you will start to develop some sense of uh, where we are in the world. And of course, when you talk about where we are in the world, we would be remiss if we didn't say the difference between what the headlines are and what the truth is. one eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com. You know, we always come back to these fundamentals and it's important for us to mention them every so often because you could really use those as your 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 glasses 
to put on when you're reading news and see how they all interact with one another. So, for example, talking about the decline of the U.S. dollar, what's the impact of the decline of the U.S. dollar? How do you know the U.S. dollar is losing value over time? And how can that affect the next thing, which is inflation or interest rates, for example? So, um, we're just about to talk about a, a particular article which which raises that question. Well, again, if you look at that from the perspective of are we worse off or better off than we were five or six years ago or prior to 2008, and the headlines would have you believe because the mainstream news creates nothing but sheeples, people who just <laughs> listen to the news, follow the news and say, hey, honey, you know, it sounds like things are getting better. Maybe the business is going to pick up. Maybe we should just go ahead and grow the business and put some money into this and that. But the reality is that if you look behind those headlines, it's anything but. Let me just say, I, I in Toronto, you walk around and you see a lot of retail stores are all moving. They're all finishing their leases and moving to, to places where they're either going out of business or they're moving to places where it's it's less expensive for that lease. You know, stores are, are becoming smaller or, you know, we see art galleries moving out to a different sector of the city completely. Um, I was just in New York this past weekend and I saw the exact same thing. Like, for example, Soho. Tons of, of empty places mm-hmm. that were not empty before. And it's and it, it, unless you were a very, very large brand name, you weren't, you were no longer there. Yeah, Adidas could afford it, but uh, you know, the cool shops that were once there. Same thing happened in London. They said in the last 15 years, 50% of the nightclubs and bars have uh, have disappeared from London because it's gentrification. They can't afford downtown anymore, right? right? They're all moving out to the outskirts. It'll happen here too, right? Well, part of that is the fact that the major signals of economic change are telling us through headlines one thing, painting a picture that there's gradual improvement happening, when in reality there's not. One of the best ways that a government can skew your understanding and misrepresent what is truly happening is through employment numbers. When a you know, the chief, Obama, I mean, he's in charge. He can tell and persuade millions of people to do and act in a certain way just by simply touting and manipulating numbers a certain way. When it comes to employment, while Obama has repeatedly touted the sub 5% unemployment rate, which most recently came out as published rate of 4.9%, as confirmation his economic recovery has been successful, What has received far less media attention has been the unprecedented surge in Americans no longer in the actual labor force, which as of August stood at a near record 94.4 million. Wow. And we are, and if you compare this, let's say to the Great Depression, as an example, there's no better economic historic lesson to learn or to be learned than looking back at that particular time and space. Um, this is worse than a depression. One in six prime-aged men has no job in the U.S. To think that that's not bleeding into Canada, sure it's happening. I watched a report last night that was saying on the National that uh, there was um, a tremendous surge in the amount of Canadians living paycheck to paycheck. I don't find that hard to believe. I'm in this realm. I see gold and silver and why people are investing in gold and silver. And it won't be that way forever. But right now, economically, you have to make decisions that go against the grain, that do the, don't do do the same thing as your neighbor does, because that's where you're going to find true value. Gold and silver are those exact two places. one silver and guildhallwealth.com. 
This is an indication as uh, an anecdotal evidence that the economy is not getting better, that the Fed can jawbone and try to forward guidance the market and pretend that they might raise rates, they might lower rates, whatever the case is. When you look at the trajectory of the world, rates are going negative. Little by little, rates are going negative. And the question is, is why? Great. It gets people to borrow money that they can they can blow a bubble up in real estate. But it doesn't create a lot of growth. It just means that large companies can borrow a lot of money. They can take over smaller companies. But there's a how long can that actually last? Quantitative easing? You know, as as Paul always said, did they really put a spade in the ground in the United States? No, they didn't. It went straight to the banks. The banks put it right back in the Fed and got a got a small interest rate on it, or they took it out and and made bigger bets than they did back in two thousand six and seven. And they might be in bigger trouble. And the question will become, well, who's going to go to Congress and say we need five hundred billion? Won't do it. We need actually five trillion. And speaking of trillions, how strong can the dollar be when the U.S. dollars, when the U.S. deficit is now above 19 trillion? How strong can their dollar be long term if their debt is above 9 trillion? That means that they have to go lower in interest rates to, to just cover the just to, to support the mm-hmm. debt. So, you know, you wonder why there's going to be geopolitical unrest down the road, again, sticking to those fundamentals, because when people have nothing to lose, as our friend Gerald Salente always says, they lose it. And you can see that you're coming up on almost 100 billion, which is practically a third of the population that don't have jobs. And it's funny to see as we come into this November and the election in the U.S., how many people actually believe that simply by making the choice to vote for somebody, the economy will magically repair itself. It's just not going to happen. And it's part of the same reason why the U.S. has struggled, because they don't know, like other countries, look at Japan as a perfect example of how a country goes from the second largest economy now to the third and probably on the way to its fourth. But ultimately, they don't know what to do with policy, so they leave it in the hands of a very small, centralized few. And of course, if you don't have the answer, the one thing you're going to make sure you do is protect yourself. And, and if you're if you're smart, you do what Norway Central Bank did, and the and the Swiss Central Bank d- does. You do what everyone else is doing and print money, except instead of putting it into negative yield bonds or putting it into the economy, which is what they probably should be doing. They just buy gold, and in this case, they bought uh, gold stocks. We're going to take a quick break. In the meantime, before we get into natural fancy color diamonds, love this part of the show. It's coming right up. one 877 is the number, and you want to go online to guildhallwealth.com to check out more. The Investor Kit, the Precious Metal Advisor, it is all there for you to sign up for and uh, and enjoy every week, courtesy of Darren and the folks at Guildhall. Lots more of The Real Money Show coming right up. Talk Radio, AM 640. One eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com. You'll want to check out the collection of natural fancy colored diamonds while we're talking about them. Go to guildhalldiamonds.com. Jeremy, love this part of the show, talking about diamonds, the other amazing investment. Darren, you love them as well? I do love diamonds, colored diamonds, my best friend. But ultimately, you still have to make the decision, John, to find out what's right for you. And the truth is, most of our listeners will have never seen, touch, or thought more than a second about a color diamond as an investment because to them color diamonds are something that's unknown they're unsure about where's the market for color diamonds what's it doing today what is it trading at what's well, about as far away from the concept the reality of what color diamonds represents in terms of true value for an investor as one could get 
if you put your listening knowledge to work, mm-hmm. you sit down with one of us, Jeremy in particular is extremely knowledgeable about colored diamonds, and you were to take 20 minutes out of your life, the worst thing that could happen is you just say, no, that's not for me. The best thing that could happen is you pick up yourself a vivid yellow diamond as a starter diamond, put thirty five, forty thousand into the market that you otherwise did not know what to do with, and watch as you get a continual and repetitive eight, ten, twelve percent every year, year over year over year. Knowing all the while you can sleep at night, you don't have to dial anything, look up anything on the internet, you have to watch for the markets. The markets tumble, so what? Color diamonds go higher. Just let it be. That's it. Just let it, let it be, it McCartney. Be. Let it be. And if we look at the quarter that was, quarter two, we now have the results in all colored diamonds, even the crummy ones, the ones that are flawed that we would never touch with a 10-foot pole, the entire base in one quarter alone is up half a percent in just one quarter. So this is a tremendous uh, way to start getting knowledgeable about it, first picking out an investment that's making money. And if you come to Guildhall, the first thing you're going to see is you're looking at something that's beautiful, it's gorgeous, it's tangible, and you might relate to it because you might have been through the buying process with a colored diamond, but in a white diamond sense, you might have put a ring on your wife-to-be on her finger, and if you are female and listening, you've gone out and you've shopped for a new diamond perhaps. Either way, you already have the four C's under your belt. You already know a little bit about diamonds. Taking this next step is really understanding the fundamentals of the gold and silver market and applying them in the hard asset sense to the colored diamond market. And this is where Guildhall is second to none in the world. If you're looking to complement your gold and silver investment or simply to look for an alternative investment, colored diamonds is absolutely the best place in the world to park your money right now. Jeremy, you know, we should, uh, you know, also mention that Guildhall doesn't go out and, you know, grab these things by the shovel full. It's investment grade only, right? Correct. So investment grade means that we have very strict criteria that we follow and we have to meet very high criteria to to make it qualified for uh, an investment colored diamond. And what that means is is sometimes we go months and months and months without without acquiring a diamond. Uh, for example, we're always on the lookout for pink diamonds. We've talked about quarter carat intense pinks, a diamond that is a great entry level into the pink diamond market, especially if it's VS quality or even VVS quality, uh, which is very, very slight inclusion. In other words, eye clean. And those type of diamonds, they're... They're great value. You can still buy one for you know thirty thousand, sometimes even a little less if you can find it. But that's the key: if you can find it. Right. Now we 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 have some meetings set up with our partners who have who've indicated over the last week that they've got some, and so we're going to be uh, going on a buying trip to see a couple of these diamonds and see if it's something that can fit in our collection. So, you know, in, in the past we've had. We've had droughts of over six to eight months on intense yellows, which those diamonds are selling for about $25,000. But again, for almost half a year, we couldn't find a single one to procure for the collection that people could invest in. But that's our standard. That's our criteria. We have to maintain that in order to make sure that those diamonds are growing in value all the time. 
one eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhalldiamonds.com. I think in a couple of weeks, guys, we might have an interview from somebody from Argyle Diamonds uh, from Real Tinto. Right? We do so a very exclusive cool. interview that's going to be done right here on the Real Money Show in the Diamond segment. And when you actually hear what this individual has to say, we'll uh, refrain from saying the name yet, but when you hear what this individual has to say about the exquisite nature of the Argyle Pink Diamond, you will be absolutely blown away. And if you don't already want to own a Pink Diamond, you're probably going to want to after hearing that interview. So we're very excited about this. We're going to be talking a little bit, hopefully, about the Argyle Tender, uh, which is... We're almost on the doorstep of now, later the end of this month and early October is going to be the world tour of the diamonds for this year's tender. I believe there are 57 lots, if I'm not mistaken, a handful of violets, a few reds, the rest are pink. God, it's October again already. uh, It is. Yeah. I hate that reminder because the weather's been so nice, but getting back to your original point there, John, about shoveling uh, a whole load of diamonds in, in the color diamond, uh, particular arena, if you were to take a shovel and take a big scoop, that's probably all the color diamonds there are. Yeah, right. So it's really, really only one scoop of a shovel, and that's you know how rare colored diamonds are. So again, if you're looking for an investment that stands the test of time, no matter the economic climate, that allows you to sleep at night, that gives you a steady return as you're sleeping, whether you're awake at work, whether you're invested in other parts of your portfolio, in stocks or gold and silver, bonds, any other type of arena that you want to be in, then colored diamonds is the way to go. I have seen pinks in the one hundred to two hundred thousand dollar range when we first started this in two thousand in the early two thousands now sell in the eight to a million dollar range. I have been offered pinks, as has Jeremy and especially Paul because he gets the most phone calls of all, that were easily, hands down, among the most beautiful pinks we've ever seen. But at the time, for one reason or another, we were in another mode. We were looking at something different, maybe to acquire a blue over a pink. And now I can tell you, looking back, we are beating ourselves over the head. It's like finding a beautiful return in a piece of real estate and saying, why didn't I buy four houses in that development? This is staring right at you, square in the face. Our collection is second to none in the world. And in terms of the time we take to make sure you make money, it's second to none in the world. Guildhall is the best at what they do when it comes to color diamonds. And Darren, it, it's interesting you're just talking about the, the price increases because at the beginning of the segment, you mentioned a Vivid Yellow and you actually said 35000 for that, which is what they used to sell for about five years ago, four years ago, because today they're selling for about $50,000 Canadian, uh, which which just shows you that over time the prices do go up. And, and it's that happens to us, that we keep thinking, oh, the price is this. You know, a, 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 an intense yellow is, you know, 21000 Well, no, it's not. Now they're 25000 There's no There's no way around it. What ends up happening is we acquire diamonds at a certain price level, and then once those three or four diamonds at that price level um, are acquired by clients, then when we go to replace those diamonds, it's now costing us more to replace them. The, the overall values are going up, and then you end up seeing over time that the prices are naturally higher. This is one of the reasons why um, we've come back to putting the prices back up on the website so that potential clients can start to follow the market and see what's happening in, in the, pri- in the price, prices in the market. And then, of course, we are a member of the Fancy Color Research Foundation, so we do try to 
incorporate that information for potential clients as well. So if you want to just learn about the market, you can, of course, join the the Precious Metal Advisor. You can contact us and put yourself on the email list to learn more about the, the color diamond market. Someone might say, okay, this is great. I understand it's an investment. The returns are huge. I sit on it for a few years, but I, it, it's a diamond. I just don't want to shove this thing in the back of a you know a, a safety deposit box. I want to display it. I want people to see it and know that I got this thing. It's gorgeous. What do I do? Have it made into a one-of-a-kind piece that nobody else nice. in the world will ever be able to duplicate. We can do that for you at Guildhall. It's a very simple process. We call it wealth to wear. But the reality is you're actually improving the value of the diamond. In many cases, you're because you're making a one-of-a-kind uh, setting, it might be sentimental. You can keep the setting at the end of the day when you decide to sell a diamond. You pull the diamond out, keep the setting, put a different diamond in there. Colored diamonds are not meant to just be put away in the corner. They are definitely so beautiful and exquisite. The fire that radiates from a yellow vivid diamond is unbelievable, unprecedented. Jeremy's wife wears a yellow and it's absolutely beautiful. It's stunning to see on anybody's finger. And of course, if you're listening to the show and you're marking a milestone through an anniversary, a special birthday, Perhaps uh, you're looking at uh, doing a push gift. Somebody's getting married. Somebody's having a baby. This is the ultimate way to say I love you. There is no better way that I can think of than to give a person something that in 10 years from now, 15 years from now, they could turn around, come back to Guildhall and say, hey, I got this as a gift, but the gift was not in the piece itself. It was in the investment that this person made for me. And I'd like to realize and recognize the value of that by selling this back to you or to another person. And lo and behold, what a person paid 30 grand for or 10 grand or 15,000 or 100,000, whatever the price was, is in 10, 15 years, multiple times higher. And who knows what that person uses it for? Maybe, just maybe they're deciding to retire and they used that diamond to set themselves up for the rest of their lives. Or you gave it to a kid and it's time for university and you can get a buyer Paid and there for you all go, of it. right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Just give yourself a give yourself a good amount of time to to sell the diamond because it's not like the gold and silver market and very liquid. I will add by the way that my wife wanted a white diamond. She kind of knew what business I was well, she knew what business I was in, so she kind of had the idea that she was going to get a yellow and she wasn't too keen on it, but she kept it to herself. But when she did get the yellow and she realized how great it was and, uh, you know, when they say diamonds are a girl's best friend, that's where I learned, okay, I get that now because when, you're, when your uh, fiancé is staring at the ring so much and other people are staring at the ring so much, you kind of say, okay, now I understand this. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. But one of the themes I think that we've been we've been uh, exploring a lot of at Guildhall with um, our prospective clients and our clients is the concept of luxury. But not just luxury; it's more about luxury versus rarity, because at the end of the day, colored diamonds are are a luxury, and white diamonds are a luxury. But white diamonds aren't rare. Right. There's a lot of them out there. A lot of perfect flawless d color which is just completely white internally flawless we can go online and find hundreds of them right now and we could buy one and tomorrow there will be still a hundreds of, of white diamonds and those are at perfect levels perfect criteria and so you you have to understand the, i think that's the first starting point for colored diamonds is that White diamonds, while being a luxury, are not necessarily rare at all. Now, if we went to much higher 
size or bigger size, I should say, if it was a 20 carat white diamond. But we've even seen at auction very large white diamonds selling as well as a larger pink diamond selling, and the price differences did reflect that rarity. Yeah. So this is a great place to start, understanding that white diamonds, while being a luxury, are not necessarily rare. Now, with that said, you can actually purchase some very rare yellow diamonds for prices that you would pay for a good quality white. So if the if the color appeals to you, if the idea of individuality and expressing that individuality appeals to you and being different, you know, a lot of the way the 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 stars on red carpet are going to be. I mean, we'll see how many colored diamonds we see at the TIFF festival starting, I think next week. And, uh, but you can get involved in an investment diamond for the same price as a luxury piece that will not necessarily move up in value. You know, at the JCK show, I was, uh, with, a, a colleague and he was saying, you know, we were talking about things we talk about with clients and whatnot. And he said that every so often he'll have someone come that needs to, sell a white diamond and he'll say that you know with a white diamond you'll never lose all your money nice i'm gonna say that again with a white diamond you'll never lose all of your money in other words unlike a stock that could go to zero and you could lose all of your your money um a white diamond is an asset of course once you add all of the hands that it's gone through and the retailers it's gone through it's it's the price is, is is overwhelming or much higher than it should be. Whereas in many cases for colored diamonds, it's still a very small market that we can seek out proper value. And we've never had anyone lose money with a colored diamond. And so that is extremely reassuring. And I think that could be very reassuring for anyone who is risk averse. One eight seven seven eight silver off to guildhalldiamonds.com to check out the collection. By other times, you can go to guildhallwealth.com for more information. We'll uh, continue. Still more of the show to come here. Real Money Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. One eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com. The Precious Metal Advisor, the Investor Kit, RSPs, other registered funds, your accounts. You can use that to invest in physical metals, including your TFSA, which you got, what, 46500 if you're over the age of 26, never invested. That is a big chunk of change to get going on an investment, guys. What do you say? Well, listen, this is the time to do it, John. As you know, this is, from a seasonal standpoint, one of the most tremendous times of year to get into the gold and silver market. The color diamond market, however, that's all year long. So if you're an investor looking to get into that market, you can do that anytime. As far as gold and silver are concerned, is a bit of a rush now. We're very busy at Guildhall and, of course, registered accounts as the year progresses into the tax season. We're going to have a ton of new people coming aboard. This is just a fact of life. When it comes to Guildhall, getting into the gold and silver market couldn't be any easier. Give us a phone call, walk in, pay for your product, walk out with your product. Number two, if you're accumulating and for security reasons, safety reasons, liquidity reasons, whatever the reasons are, you'd like to store your product, then feel free. We have a vaulting facility that is free and clear to you, uh, the investor, to hold your own gold and silver at a minimal cost. It is insured. It is segregated. It is allocated product. Your serial numbers remain your serial numbers. Your bars remain your bars. And you can buy and sell through phone calls. If, however, you'd like to have the ultimate investment, then in the registered account is the best of both worlds. 
you'll get whatever type of product you'd like to add. You can do it in locked in RSPs, regular RSPs. You can do RESPs for the kids. You can throw it into a tax-free savings account, TFSA, or if you're close to retirement, you have a Lira that's open and you like to do something different with it. That is the perfect opportunity right there to get gold and silver into your portfolio. And it starts by going to the website, getting in touch with all of us here on the show and finding out more about how to do this. Now, we were saying earlier on in the show in the first segment about headlines. We're talking about how bad things are behind the scenes versus what the headlines are touting. And we were specific, uh, specifically picking on employment. Well, we're about to see a major shift in economic policy uh, and it won't matter who gets elected, whether Clinton or uh, the other fella. Oh, Lord. Yeah, gets elected. We, we, it won't matter. Both are going to take the country in a different economic direction. Yes, some of the policies within uh, Clinton's camp will be similar to Obama's, but if Trump gets in, boy, oh, boy, are things going to change. Now, that'll only change to the extent that he gets the support to do it. But uh, if you're looking, and we were citing a recent report by Obama's Council of Economic Advisors, NPR notes that 83% of men in the prime working ages of 25 to 54 who are not in the labor force had not worked in the previous year. So essentially 10 million men are missing from the workforce. Either they're working under the table or they just stop looking altogether. If you put that number into context, in the 1960s, nearly 100% of men between the ages of 25 to 54 worked. That's fallen over over the decades tremendously. Um, and, and really, the condemnation of Obama's recovery is dire. One in six prime-age guys has no job. It's kind of worse than the Depression. So although they're touting that there's economic recovery and they're saying the employment rate is now below 5%, here in Canada, just a little over 6%, I think, uh, there really is no evidence to suggest that things are getting better. As Jeremy noted earlier in the show, recent trip to New York, he was seeing stores that had been in Soho for years, even decades, closing their doors. And a lot of them were doing so because number one, they couldn't afford their location anymore based on the retail product or service they were offering. And number two, they're looking for a cheaper location, somewhere they can go that they can have business and conduct business. But again, it's not going to be in the center of New York. So ultimately, this is something that we see as a change of times that's happening all throughout the workplace. And how does this tie in with gold and silver? It's very simple. If you own gold and silver, you're going against the grain. You're doing something counterintuitive to investing in stock or bonds or putting them into money markets or real estate even, although real estate and gold and silver do share some of the same fundamentals. Ultimately, it's about making a return on your investment without having value and being able to sleep at night. I can think of no better way than to have all of that than by having gold, silver, and and natural fancy color diamonds. One eight seven seven eight silver. It's guildhallwealth.com. Jeremy, what do you think? Well, I think that uh, what we're seeing is a trend towards people wanting to have physical precious metals in their portfolio, that they want to know that there's no counterparty risk. I think that they see the value in holding gold. And I think that there's a natural tendency of if there's mistrust in the system, that we do understand gold fundamentally, that the, the mainstream media might not like gold, but at the end of the day, they're quoting gold prices every day on the radio. They put gold prices on the cover of, of the financial section of the newspaper every day. If it had no, if it had no purpose and no meaning, um, and it was indeed a relic, then what is it doing there? Why are we talking about it? Why do they quote it first thing in the morning on, on AM 640? 
The fact is, is it does matter that the world does have a de facto gold standard. And if people do not trust the currency of the country that they're currently in, and they feel that the value of that currency could fall, and the result of that falling currency would be inflation, meaning prices of things are moving higher, and that the country who's do, who's who's propagating this would now have issues with other countries that are trying to do the same. You end up with tensions, which, which is the geopolitical unrest that we discussed out of the fundamentals. And then, of course, if you just look at the fundamental of supply and demand, of how much gold is out there, how much silver is actually out there, how, how where would silver prices go if people just bought the physical product? And so I think what we're seeing is a trend towards the physical. This is why we, we created the RSP, so that people could buy the physical, and that there's a trend away from paper. And as well, if you look at the cost of doing business, you're no longer you're no longer really saving anything to do this in a less expensive way or a, a cheaper way, if you will. The fact is, is there's two ways to invest in precious metals. There's the safe way, or there's the incredibly cheap way. You can buy an ETF. You can buy um, you can buy mining stocks. You can buy um, uh, certificates. But how many of these things put the metal actually in your hand? And at the end of the day, what we're finding is people are more than happy to pay the fabrication charge to know that they own that brick of metal. It's a great way to force savings because even though you have it and even though it's incredibly liquid, it's uh, something that once you have it, you oftentimes become a stacker. It's something that you're not necessarily willing to let go of as the first thing to go in your portfolio if there's an issue. So at Guildhall, we offer investors the ability to buy physical product. They can do that over the phone. They can go on to guildhallpreciousmetals.com and see the type of product that's available. Simply register, place your order, and you can either pick it up or have it delivered directly to your door. You can hold large amounts of physical product in the depository, as we've discussed, where it's fully allocated, segregated Go to visit the depository and personally audit your product. Take delivery if you decide you want to take delivery at any time. But in this case, you can buy and sell on a phone call. And then, of course, there's the registered accounts where same thing. You're holding physical. It's allocated. It's segregated, meaning it's separated out from all other holdings in the depository. You receive your own sub-account. You receive your own serial numbers. This is, And then you can go to the depository and put it in your hand. one 877 silver online to Guildhall wealth.com. Darren heard about all these different accounts. What about locked up accounts, RSPs? How about yes, that? it's a good question, John, because a lot of people don't realize it. They think the term locked in implies they can't do anything with it. Right. There's absolute no truth to that. In some instances, of course, there's going to be certain stipulations that don't allow you to do that. But ultimately at Guildhall Wealth, if you don't make the phone call to find out, you'll never know. But yes, every day we're putting locked in RSPs into gold and silver. So this can be done as well. We want to uh, let people know that we thank them for listening. And of course, we look forward to bringing the Real Money Show to the podcast. People can listen to their Pick up the newsletter. It's free, and we're happy to do it for you. So have a great week, everyone. Again, the numbers uh, as we uh, as we finish off is one eight seven seven eight silver It's guildhallwealth.com. As Darren has mentioned, pick up the Precious Metal Advisor, the Investor Kit. And a reminder, uh, once again in closing, if you're uh, investing $5,000 U.S. in RSP account, you will receive one gram of gold, courtesy of Guildhall as well. Website for more details. This has been The Real Money Show. It's on Talk Radio, AM 640.